0: This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for July 3rd, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. A friend of mine gave me a bit of trivia the other day that I found absolutely fascinating. I think you might too. It's called A Perspective on Today's Government, and it gives just a few bits of basic information, and it really caught my attention. The Pythagorean Theorem has 24 words. The 10 Commandments has 179 words. The Gettysburg Address has 286 words. The Declaration of Independence has 1300 words. And the last, the Federal Regulation on the Sale of Cabbage Uh has (laughs) 26,911 words. Our country has some warts. There's other perspectives on our government. As we know, our people are usually pretty free about discussing them openly. Um, Most people aren't shy talking about how they feel either pro or con about the government. Thank God we can do that in many countries, yet today people still cannot speak freely as they feel, and you would think that 2,000 years after Christ, we would be over that, but we're not. In our discussions, without trying to observe the whole world, we acknowledge that we are in a war, one that's pretty controversial right now. Should we bring our soldiers home? Should we leave our soldiers there? What should we do about this country? What should we do about that country? And again, there are good people on both sides of that issue. Our country has internal security issues. I have a grandson that's with, a grandson-in-law who's with Homeland Securities, and he's home right now on vacation And of course, he can't tell me anything because it's all very hush-hush. But I did ask him, Jared, how's it going? He said, Graham, we have problems. We have problems. Our prisons and jails throughout the country are over capacity. Drugs and alcohol use has grown tremendously, health care and insurance costs are out of sight, we have serious border issues, and we all know that the list doesn't end there. Our country has some warts. To focus on a specific thing that's come up lately, Are all of you old enough to remember what blue laws are? Some yes, some no. Well, blue laws come from back in the old days when we were prohibited to shop on Sundays. Now, it's hard for some of us to believe that there were days like that, but it's true. You could shop six days a week, and the seventh day, you rested. You went to church. You dealt with your family. You did other things, but shopping was not one of them. I personally absolutely loved it, and I would give anything for it to come back. And that's what they're talking about doing. Now, why would they want to bring such a thing back? Um, Now that the stores are open, the drinking and drugs have increased. You can buy liquor now afternoon and you can buy drugs most of the time. According to economists, while church attendance has decreased Attendance has gone from 37% down to 32%. And those changes in drinking and drugs have gone up. And guess where the largest amount are? In church attendees. People who used to go to church, but don't go to church anymore. So we need to look at that. We need to look and see where are our priorities? Are our priorities on our country, on our church, on our family? Where are our priorities? What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching them that our priorities should be? You know, there's much more that could be said about today's problems in our country because we've got plenty of them, but on a deeply personal level, California's pastor, Rick Warren, author of the Purpose Driven Life series, noted life is a series of problems. Either you're in one now, you're just coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into another one. Can anyone relate to that? I can, and I know that you will not find that difficult to agree with, but it could easily be a statement that fits our country as well as our own personal life, can it? We have warts. All this and much more in the country of independence and this nation of freedom. In one of the Psalms, the psalmist cries out in despair to God for help. And Maybe it seems worse to the psalmist because it's night when he's lamenting, but then suddenly he remembers what powerful and wonderful things that God has done. The good works, the mighty deeds, redemption, guidance, even miracles, maybe, just maybe, there's hope for all of us, if we can just remember those possibilities of old. Now along comes Jesus. And we zip forward from the time of the psalmist to the time of the Apostle Paul, who believed that all that Jesus had revealed to him and tried to pass it on to the new and the younger churches, such as the one that was read today in the epistle to the church at Rome. Paul's letters, all of them, constitute a spiritual letter of independence. At a time when laws were oppressive and there were so many rigid rules that had been laid out for the people. Paul gave them a message for all times on how to live, and that message is just as valid today for each and every one of us. With that, Paul clarifies that Jesus has set us free, and we're called to be free it becomes imperative to join these concepts for a full understanding of freedom in Christ. We've been given our freedom, but with a clarification of how to use it, God's grace has been so fully revealed in our lives through all that he has done for us in Jesus, that we are compelled to love him fully in response and to live out our lives in service to him in this way. We are free creatures who are servants of God because he loved us first. We are expected to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that means to serve others as we serve Jesus. And believe me, that's a gift as well as a commitment. Every Eucharist, we are reminded to love our neighbors as ourselves. Every time we take the body and blood of Christ, that is part of what we're saying, is that we will love our neighbors as ourselves. Yet freedom in Jesus is not a license to carry this to an extreme. It's not an opportunity for self-indulgence, and Paul cautions us about this in every letter he wrote. It was a mistake that was made by the ancient antimoniums. Antimonium means against the law, those who believe that God's grace is so broad and so vast that Christians are not bound by moral laws. Unfortunately, we see some of that today. It's a reoccurring problem. In each age, it's been a reoccurring problem and vast that Christians are not bound by moral laws. So we need to examine it closely. Paul's strong response was, what shall we say? Shall we continue to sin in order that grace may abound? This is from Romans 6, 1. My thought is that too much of the Antimonian approach goes against all the rest of the scriptures and all that Jesus practiced and taught. It's self-indulgent, it's heresy, and it's destructive. In honoring Paul's message, it becomes critical for all of us to learn what it really means to love and therefore serve others. Some may think it's such a simple concept, just do what others want and you'll be okay. I don't think it's that simple. I think one of our biggest problems as Christians is that we fully, understand, we fully understand the meaning of that phrase. I overheard one of our college administrators say recently when he was outlining all the upcoming classes at a theological school, and he said it's so simple to love your neighbor as yourself, just do it. And the big problem is, we never really study how to love ourselves. And if you can't love yourself, it's a little tough. The proper for today, you've already heard, but it fits this day so well. And I want to do it again. It says, "O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may know and all the things they ought to do. All the things we ought to do. And also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Where do we get that grace and power? We get it through Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our country is a country where we declare freedom as a basic way of life. We celebrate Independence Day tomorrow. We've already actually started the celebrations in many areas. Red, white, and boom, I saw it on TV, but it was wonderful. And I'm sure if you were down there, it was even more wonderful, although I was cooler. (laughs) I'll go one step further to say that all of us should really love our country and we should celebrate the freedom that we have because it is in living out those practices of love and freedom that we can serve others as Jesus would have us serve others. We need to deeply appreciate this country. I don't believe that there's another country that does it as well as ours. We only need to look around the world and see the oppression we would experience as Christians if we served the greatest commandment to love one another as ourselves. We could go to Turkey. We could be killed. There is no freedom, no freedom of religion. And Christians are not well liked there. We could go to other countries that it's the same. Ladies, we could go to countries where we would have to wear burqas or a reasonable facsimile thereof. There is no freedom for women. It has been said that as individuals towards each other can easily be translated as how to act as countries to each other. If you think about it, that's true. I think we all need to take a good look at the world to see how it is lived out. And as we read scripture, we can find out how it should and how it can be. The world needs us. Imagine that. They need us. It needs Christians who treat each other with love and who love a government that treats them with love. As we love and serve each other, may we also love and serve our government, always helping it to be better, that it may become a place of true community, serving other countries, as well as serving our country as Jesus wants. May we also grow spiritually together as we live our lives of faith and absorb the changes that will come to each of us and to our government through the grace of God. We're taught as Christians to have love for one another. And I preach this over and over and over. They say that everyone who preaches has one sermon. Mine is love one another. Love looks for the best and the finest in all things. It helps others to become the best they can be. It's always seeking to be more Christ-like. And it wants the best for us all. It's teaching, helping, guiding, healing, redeeming, saving, and serving. It's freedom, responsibility to do what Jesus wants. It's no longer I who live says Paul, but Christ who lives in me. And the power of love is the greatest of all, for it is the power of God at work in all of our lives. It's the hope for all of us. And folks, it's the hope for our country, and it's the hope for the world. As I said a little earlier, our country has warts. My daughter had a wart recently on the bottom of her left foot and it festered and it hurt like crazy and it just didn't get better. It bothered her every time she put her foot down and finally, after we all prodded and said, Kathy, pick up the phone and call the doctor. She finally called the doctor and made an appointment. But of course, when you call to make an appointment, she couldn't get in four ways down the road. So she had to wait and continue to suffer. One day, her husband came home and he talked to her in a rather stern way, which is not Dan's way of talking. But he said, we're going to do something. And he took her foot and he put a piece of duct tape over the wart. Now, duct tape, we all know, can fix anything, right? Wheel? She finally got to the appointment several days later and they took off the duct tape and guess what? The wart was healed. And she wondered why she had waited so long to prolong her pain. Now, this is also true with our country. So what can each of us do? As we leave here today, let each of us think consciously of one way that we can be more loving and write that way down and tape it on your bathroom mirror so that you see it every day and you practice it and eventually you become it. And as you do it, think about this country, imperfect as it is, warts and all, and how your small step can make it a better place, a better place to live. Better yet, you could take a big step, but even if you just take a little one, that's good. I wonder how many of you are familiar with the details of the Washington Monument. Perhaps you've seen it, perhaps you've been up it, but did you know that the aluminum cap on the top of the monument in Washington, D.C., there are two words, Lausdale, meaning praise be to God, These words are not visible to visitors. In fact, most visitors are probably unaware that they're even there. Some may not even care. And incidentally, in that city of 69 square miles, there can never be a higher building than that monument, 555 feet. If you go to the top level and you look out from the vantage point you can easily see the original plan of the designer. It is a perfect cross imposed in the landscape with the White House to the north, the Jefferson Memorial to the south, the Capitol to the east, and the Lincoln Memorial to the west. The Washington Monument contains 898 steps and 50 landings. As visitors climb the steps, the memorial stones at each landing share a message. On the 12th landing is a prayer offered by the city of Baltimore. On the 20th is a memorial presented by some Chinese Christians. On the 24th, there's a presentation by a Sunday school class from New York and Philadelphia. Quoting Proverbs 10.7, Luke 18.6, Proverbs 22.6. When the cornerstone of the Washington Monument was laid on July 4th, 1848, its contents included, guess what? A holy Bible. It was presented by the Bible Society. Are we expected to be a Christian country? Was this country started on Christian words, on Christian ideals. Our first president, George Washington, wrote a prayer for America that I'd like to share with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou wilt keep the United States in thy holy protection, that thou wilt incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to the government, and entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another, for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. And finally, that thou wilt most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion. And without a humble imitation of whose example in these things, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. There's a lot of love and a lot of history in that prayer. How can we celebrate Independence Day, warts and all? This 4th of July, let us remember those who have served our country in so many ways, for our servicemen and women in all times, for those who gave their lives in their service this country, for those who have served in the government, and for all who work to maintain the (laughs) principles of our country. As we celebrate tomorrow our independence, let's love, let's love, let's show love, love for our country, love for each other, warts and all. And to do all that, we have to show that love so that we can make this country better. As the first president said, we have to have the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion. Without it, we can never hope to be a happy nation. and we do want to be a happy nation. As we celebrate our Independence Day tomorrow, let's show love towards one another. And if it takes a little duct tape, if that would help, that's okay. Remember to vote. Remember to pray for our country. Remember to teach national pride to our children. That is so, so, so important. I get frustrated sometimes when I am at places where it's appropriate to stand and recognize the flag with the Pledge of Allegiance. And some of our children have not been taught to do so. That's our job to do. It doesn't just come by osmosis. We have to teach them that pride. We have to teach them that love for our country. And always remember, laus deus, praise be to God. You have just been listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.